Sometimes you can't see the trees for the forest. <laughs> Lord, open the eyes of our hearts, even today as Steve is here and going to minister to us. Lord, Father, I thank you for this man who is humble. And Lord, you've made provision for him through the years. But Father, I know you've placed a message and a thing in his heart. And I just pray, God, would you just please uh, release Steve right now to be him. Steve, just be you. That you, you, you are addictive. There is something you carry. I just even before you got here, I shared with the people that, you know, God's trying to take us deeper into relationships and loving better, loving each other better. And and Steve, you carry something in that area of relationship and and pouring yourself out into young people, and going deep in relationship that we desperately need, my friend. And I know God has brought you here today to speak a word or to declare, to minister. But I just want you to know, brother, I, I see that that part of God is in you and on you. And we desperately need it here at New Covenant. God's taking us. We've been having several messages. I haven't even shared this with you about love and how we need to love well. And uh, I just uh, release you just to be you and to have freedom today, brother to just out of the reservoir of God that's in you, just be you and just have freedom today to do whatever you feel the Lord wants you to do. So, Steve, if you'll come up, let's just honor Steve Freeman. We love this man. And if he'll come up, Steve, we bless you and we thank God for you. Kim, would it be? Would it be against tradition if I brought this thing down here? That, oh, okay, I'll even help. Listen, like you guys have tradition, right? <laughs> as long as I don't feed back, I suppose. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> I think one of the greatest uh, revelations of relationship is that we're all on the same level. There is nothing that's in me that isn't already in you. There's nothing in the fullness of Christ that isn't already resident in me that isn't resident in you. So you, know, you begin to look at that. It, it gives us the ability to start looking at each other a little differently. You know, it, it's uh, we have a tendency in our, I think, in our culture to value one another based on our talents, based on our spiritual gifts. You know, those things that, that we... We have a tendency to, to elevate. Um, but the challenge is God always intended for us to relate to one another from the place of who we are in Christ. So now there isn't a hierarchy in the kingdom at all. God dealt with the hierarchy and actually placed the highest of archies in you in the person of Jesus Christ. So now we really don't have to look at someone else and go, wow, they are so gifted. They're so talented. They love so well. Actually, we can look at them and go, wow, they're reflecting the attributes of the very Christ that's in me. See how that works? So now, now you, have, you have every opportunity to actually experience and encounter Christ in each other. And all it's a real simple, just kind of level the playing field. And I'll go into some scriptural stuff on that. Um, you guys, it's, I got to spit my gum out or I'll be spitting all over all of you. Um, I love coming here. I, there, there, there's several reasons why I really enjoy coming here. <laughs> One is it feels like home. And Mike, worship team, you guys. <gasps> I'm, I'm like, you, you come with a prepared message, and then you get into that place with the Lord where suddenly, like when I'm with you guys, it's like a smorgasbord. It's like a buffet. You know, you, you come in and go, wow, I, I, I could teach on this, but oh, did I, oh I, I could teach on this too, but oh, no. And you got all these things going on because God is so deeply, richly moving amongst you that... Uh, Gosh, it's, it's hard to, no, it's not hard. It's easy to come in and share with you guys. 
you guys are uh, you're an amazing people. And, but I do want to share one thing, just kind of by, I guess, a little side note from the teaching. Let's see, I've got about 30 minutes. Is that right? <laughs> I, I love Eric's response. <laughs> oh. Well, you guys did the, you did the old Matt Redmond song, You Are Good, You Are Good. And... Uh, and I've been struggling with this, this whole thing of the presence of God because the more I read into what I understand about the presence of God is that he's really already in us, okay? So sometimes in our, in our songs, it almost sounds like we're going, we want your presence. And so I had the, I had the hardest time trying to reconcile that. And the Lord led me to Second uh, Chronicles 7. You guys want to go with me here? Because I think it'll help explain this really well. Now, you guys, you know you are the New Testament temple, right? Okay, let's settle that right now. You are. God has created you to be a carrier of his presence. So we know what Jesus accomplished was he didn't end everything in the New Testament. He actually fulfilled, I mean, in the Old Testament, but he fulfilled everything in the Old Testament. So there are aspects of what we read about, in particular about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and its fulfillment is actually fully activated today. I take that as an amen. <laughs> so, and this, I believe, becomes the key here. <laughs> Solomon, in, the, in chapter 6 of 2 Chronicles, had dedicated the tabernacle. He prayed. Remember, they built it, this fabulous tabernacle, and so they were in the process of getting ready to dedicate it. And at the dedication, this is where we pick it up in 7, it said that now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord. Oh, thank you. You're awesome. Megan Shipman, by the way. <laughs> Let me take a side note and introduce the team. My incredibly lovely wife, Karma Freeman. <laughs> we just celebrated uh, 27 years of marital bliss. I know. I would say 27. She would probably say maybe more like 24. I don't know sometimes. <laughs> uh, and our two lovely kids who are not here, but we do have a couple of our spiritual daughters. Uh, one being the Megan Shipman. <clears throat> Recently returned from uh, Hawaii where she was ministering at the YWAM base there, um, doing some amazing stuff with restoring the foundations. And then next to her is the equally lovely and, uh, and great daughter of mine, Tanya Parham. And Tanya recently back from Ireland, where the Lord has just given her a real burden for that country. And we, we have, a, a, I don't know, we're just sensing that she may end up moving there. No, listen to that. <laughs> Suddenly, you hear the conflict within the team. <laughs> yes, no. I don't know about you guys, but you, you, know, you raise your kids up, and you raise them up to be followers of Jesus, and then they take you up on it and do it, and you're like going, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I want you to go you know, advance the kingdom and all, but can't you just do it here? <laughs> doesn't always work that way. Okay, back to the original. This thing about the presence of God. So we're reading here uh, at uh, beginning the first verse, chapter 7, 2 Chronicles. Now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Make a mental note there. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. All of the sons of Israel, seeing the fire come down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, mental note, bowed down on the pavement with their face to the ground, and they worshiped and gave praise to the Lord, saying, Truly he is good, and his loving kindness is everlasting or forever. Okay. 
Now, let's just break this apart because I think it will explain the challenge that we have in understanding that we have the fullness of Christ and his presence in us. But see, you were designed not only have the fullness of Christ in you, but you were also designed to have the fullness of the presence of God upon you. You see, there's two aspects in what we read here. The first is that the glory filled the house. Who is the glory of God? Come on. Absolutely. The bride is the glory of the groom. It's just who you are. But it also says here that, that everyone saw the fire, the Shekinah glory, whatever you want to call, resting upon the house. Now keep in mind, you guys are now the New Testament temple. So the principles of the tabernacle are in full display, actually in the fullness of everything that God intended. And that was that the very glory of God would be presence in you, in your holy of holies, in the person of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, but also that you were divinely made to carry the presence of God upon you. <laughs> You're kind of like an Oreo cookie with the cream filling inside. I mean, my gosh, you are the cream filling, and you're surrounded by what? The presence of God in you and the presence of God on you. So the cool thing is why, why Paul would say don't forsake the gathering is he knows that when we come together like this, what happens? In this community, in this relationship, as we've been designed in friendship, we've been designed to carry the manifest presence of God upon us. It's what we feel when we're in corporate worship. <laughs> we need each other. We really do. And it's not in a broken way that we need each other. It's in a way that we can display the kingdom of God in ways that we couldn't do even by ourselves. But I'm not saying that you don't already have the fullness of God in you in the person of Christ, because you do. And I'll go into some scriptures here in a little bit to, to substantiate that. But there is this thing. You see, we're not asking God to come because he's not here. Right? It is so exactly, Mike, a greater awareness. So what we're doing, actually, is what we're asking for is we're asking for that manifest presence, the Shekinah glory to come and rest upon us. That's what we're asking for. And when that happens, it is crazy fun. It just is. So when you guys are asking for Jesus to come in the room, which I don't think you do anymore, or asking for the Holy Spirit to come, you don't have to. That's, there's no need for that because that has already been so set in you, rooted and grounded in you in the person of Christ. You don't have to ask for that. Okay? It's just being aware that he is already fully dwelling in you. So when you come together, when you're asking, you're not asking out of lack. You're not asking as if there's some missing, man, we're missing something here and we need more. Honestly, you can't get any more than you already have in you in the person of Christ. So I have to conclude what we're asking for is we're asking for the manifest presence. We're asking for that glory, the Shekinah glory, to come down and actually kiss the actual glory of the Father that's in us in Jesus Christ. It's so much fun. You can have church anywhere you, anywhere you want to be. You're already carrying the kingdom wherever you are. I like to look at them, you know, my, these guys get to hear it all the time. But wherever I step, I've actually established an embassy of the kingdom of God. All the, the you know, if you're in trouble in any foreign country, where do you go? You go to your embassy. Because when you step onto that ground, you're actually stepping onto American United States soil. You're actually under the laws of the land. See, 
Well, anywhere you step, you've already established an embassy of the kingdom of God, which means anything in your area there is actually coming under what we understand is the law of the kingdom of God. That's real good because you can, it doesn't matter whether you're at Starbucks, at Walmart, or whatever. You see how this works is when you start to get a perception, when you really begin to perceive what you carry, then suddenly the kingdom is everywhere around you. And anytime that you interact with anybody, they've actually stepped into the governing, right? They've stepped in to the laws of the kingdom of God, which is what? It's liberty. It's freedom. It's breaking the chains from their bondage. I mean, they people will be attracted to you because of what you carry, both inside and out. So even the presence of God resting upon you isn't, you don't have to wait till Sunday morning to actually have that. You don't. You're already a carrier of the presence of God. Now, when we come together corporately, man, it's like we're just, we're throwing all our pieces of the puzzle together. And suddenly we start to see a, even a greater tapestry of who God is in his nature and character. So do you realize that no matter where you are throughout the week, if you're carrying the kingdom of God, that means you're carrying everything that comes with the kingdom. It's the inheritance. Do you realize you have healing in the very core of who you are because you are Jesus? You have the ability to actually, when people step into your sphere of the kingdom of God, now suddenly everything is submitted to that that is around you, which happens to be the kingdom of God. You don't even have to wait to bring them to church on Sunday morning to get them saved, to get them healed, to get them delivered. You already carry all that within you now. Come on, Colossians 1.27. Preach it, preacher. <laughs> Which is where we're going. Because uh, to me, the, it's just the key of, of relationship. <laughs> now, I've heard people say, well, gosh, if you have Christ in you, then I guess we don't need each other then anymore, do we? No, 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 no. God has uniquely created every one of us. So that means there's a facet of the kingdom of God and the nature of Christ in you that I can see just because we're friends. There's an aspect of the kingdom that is revealed to me because we have become intentional about this relationship that we've been called to. See, I can't think that I... If I think, try the best to say this, if I think that I that I don't need you, then I have so missed it. I've just so missed it. Because God knows, He designed us that it's in our friendships that we actually see more of Him in each other. So there's a greater revelation awaiting me when I interact with you of who Christ is. By the way, you guys, you know you can interrupt anytime. That's for Tanya, Megan, and Karma. <laughs> I, uh, I love, uh, you know, when, when we begin to see that God leveled the playing field, and we begin to see one another for who we really are in the person of Christ. It's like that passage that to receive a prophet is to receive a prophet's reward. To see, receive a righteous man is to receive a righteous man's reward. How I perceive you is a reward that I'm going to receive from you. Oh, come on. That's a Facebook quote. I perceive you will be the reward that I receive too. Yeah. So if I think of you anything less than who you already are in Christ, I've already limited the reward that I'm going to receive from you. That's why we have to be careful that we don't, we don't 
build our relationships based around our talents and our gifts and our weaknesses and our strengths and our, and our sin and our perfection and all that because God never intended for our relationships to be built around that stuff because he knew that if it was, we would see a limited picture of who he is in each one of us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because, yeah. come on, all of you have been made in what? The image and likeness of of God. <laughs> Come on. It is. It's like now when I look out, I don't see, um, you know, I see the, the um, just the, the beauty of how God uniquely has made everyone, but I also see how God has made us one. And I can celebrate that. See, you become a mirror that reflects the image of Christ back to me. So much I can learn from you. Ah, you talk about a key to relationship. Imagine what that would be like if we approached everybody as we really know them in Christ. Like, like beyond their emotions, beyond their, you know, their little quirks, which we all have, but actually relate to them from the very reality of Christ in them. <clears throat> there are times I actually know you better than you know yourself. And let me tell you why. Because sometimes your circumstances will cloud the way you perceive yourself. But I know who you are, because I know Christ, and I know his nature and character. I read about him in here and go, oh. See, it, it, it kind of cleans, it clears it up. Because now I don't have to relate to you even based on your sin, or you don't have to relate to me based on my sin. You can actually go, you can blow past all of that and go right to the core and say, I know who you are in Christ. I know your true nature. <laughs> how would that revolutionize the church if every Sunday we came in here and we saw each one of us from the fullness of who we really are in the person of Christ? Oh. I'll let you marinate on that for a second. <laughs> or marinate. Maybe that's not the right word. <clears throat> yeah. Now I can see you guys as supernatural, every one of you. I don't have to wait to, to go to somebody that I perceive as being the great prophet that's going to give me the word, that's going to tell me everything I need to know about my life for the future when I've got the very prophetic nature of a person sitting next to me. What does that do when we start to look at each other from the standpoint of the very nature of Christ? You, you see, when you read about Christ, when you read about Jesus in his life, what he was, he walked out to perfection what it meant to be in oneness with the Father and the Holy Spirit, right? We can all agree upon that. Can I propose to you that actually Christ didn't come to be an example for you. He actually came to be an example of you. See the difference. Hear the difference. Because if he's being an example for you, then actually we've got to figure out how we can be more like Jesus. What can I do to get more of Christ? What can I do? But if we look at it from the standpoint that you can't be any more like Christ than you are now because you have the very nature of Christ in you. You see how that changes now. Now what's happening is your mind begins to be transformed. It starts to conform to the reality of Christ who's already in you. You see how that works? 
So now you're not going, oh, I need to be more like Jesus. I need to be more like Jesus. Actually, your communication with the Father in prayer is, oh, I, I can't be any more like Jesus. Oh, Lord, un unveil my mind. Father, unveil the mystery. Unfold the mystery within me of the fullness of Christ because I want to live fully into who I know I really am. You see how that changes things? So it, it changes the, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, like, okay, let me, let me just give some examples here. In, say, counseling, for example, say you're, you're wrestling with a particular thing that you just can't get over. You've made your declarations and all that kind of stuff, and which is really good to do. But there are times we just need help. Because there might be a root lie that has actually put a veil over our eyes to, and, and it causes us to not be able to see ourselves properly. And it's okay. It's okay to get help. Because it doesn't change who you are. Your sin, your issues do not define you. There's only one thing, and that thing is a person that defines you, and it is who? It's Jesus Christ. This should be pretty good news. <laughs> okay. All right, I want to go into just a few things here, and I'm not going to go very long. By the way, you guys interrupt any time. I'm serious. If you got something, you got something? It's funny, we don't like to get in the way of each other. <laughs> I think the last time we were here, I, and um, I think it was the last time, we had, we had five of us, and we all team taught together. Do you remember that? That was an experiment. <laughs> but you see, what happens is as we begin to really know one another to, from the place of who we know, to be in you, man, we get to the point where we can just start finishing each other's sentences. <laughs> See, I, I'm beginning to think that maybe oneness and fullness is probably the same. You know, I, I, I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense. John 17, where Jesus said, you know, Father, as, as we are one, may they be one with us and and I tell you post cross I think we are so if you want the key to live the fullness is just understanding your oneness that you already have there is nothing you can't do that's why Christ was able to make that declaration that you would do even greater things It's not because you were going to try to attain and be better at something or whatever. It was that you already had the full nature of what Christ incarnate displayed when he was here on the earth. You already have that too. Does that sound scandalous? How dare you say I'm like Jesus? Well, I'm going to say it again. You cannot separate yourself from who you are in Christ. To compartmentalize that is to say, well, I guess maybe the cross wasn't quite enough. I still need to do a little bit more in order to figure out how I can get some more of Christ in me. I don't know that Paul is saying that. Okay. You guys know me, I mean, many of you know me for years, so you've watched this, my, you've watched all my different passions and things. I remember we had a, the first time we ever did a prayer meeting with worship, we did it here, and uh, I know it traumatized a lot of people. <laughs> remember, it kind of took it out of just the worship thing, and we were trying to do this prayer and worship, and the worship team was just like, they were all manifesting in weird ways. Because they didn't know what we were doing, right? Well, I didn't know what we were doing. All I knew was I thought that God really wanted us to do Okay, so here I am, you know, a part of a prayer movement. I still have that brand on me after all these years. People uh, will say, 
we need to call the prayer guy. Well, that's Steve Freeman. Well, do you, you know, you're all the prayer guy and gals. <laughs> I spent most of my, my prayer life trying to be something I already was, right? Oh, Lord, God, I pray that you would, that you would give, me, give me something that would make me powerful in my effectiveness and prayer and all of that. It was like I was praying to be this intercessor that I already was. I could just see God's perplexed look on his face going, why are you asking me to be an intercessor when Christ is already in you, but he's sitting at the right hand of me right now making intercession, which actually puts you, by the way, you're already seated in heavenly places with Jesus sitting at the right hand interceding with the Father. You see how this works? It's like, oh my gosh, it messed me up. All these years I was praying to be something I already am. Because I was thinking from a place of lack. I wasn't thinking from that place of the reality. Here's the beautiful thing. Whether you believe this or not, as I'm speaking it, doesn't change your reality. Because the work of Christ is much deeper than what your mind will allow it to be able to understand. You said yes, John 3, right? You believe. Tell me, do you believe? Everybody, say, I believe. If you made that declaration, yeah, 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 you got the full meal deal. You didn't just get a part of Jesus, and then that would be a cruel God to give you a little bit of Jesus and then make you work for it the rest of your life. Huh? Somebody tell me that's good news. <sighs> okay, let me go through a few things here. Guys, anytime you want to interrupt. <laughs> Okay, let me give you some scriptures. First off, we know Genesis 1.26 is quite clear when God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock, wild animals, over all the creatures and moving along the ground, basically the earth. Okay. It's always God's intention in how he designed you and made you to have dominion over the earth. Okay, now you can go, oh, yeah, but the enemy's here. Yeah, he is. Yeah, roaming around, wanting to devour you, blah, blah, blah. You do realize you already have the fullness of the dominion of the kingdom that's represented in the person of Jesus Christ, right? It's already in you. Okay. <laughs> Not only are you made in the image of God, but according to this, he says, let's make mankind in our image. He was already referring to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whether you want to realize it or not, <laughs> this is good. Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. You are already in the fellowship of the Trinity. You see, right? You believe, right? I believe. I believe. I believe doesn't change anything. No, it changes everything because the truth of the matter is you are now in the fellowship of the Trinity. Your conversations, your thoughts, all those kind of things are all a part of the thoughts and conversations that you have with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's how you were designed to operate. It's just now... It's one thing for me to get that, but for me to not now start seeing all of you the same way. Oh, my gosh. Boy, does the kingdom open up. <clears throat> uh, Galatians 1.16. Whoa, what a great verse, because Paul says that he actually, God has revealed his son where? In me. Okay, keep in mind, I'm not saying you got a, a partial... Uh, deposit in your bank account. <clears throat> you got the full inheritance. <clears throat> Fully deposited. 
I like to say this. Someone has to die in order for you to get an inheritance, right? Okay. In this legal transaction, did someone die? Right? Paul says in Ephesians 1, man, I just pray that your eyes would be open to what? The inheritance that you already have. You got it. It was a part of the deal. You can't separate. Even if you're going, well, no, I don't, my, my life doesn't seem to reflect the fullness of Christ. Doesn't change the fact that you have the fullness of Christ in you. Amen. Now, you, you know what happens is, it's like each day as we're walking, I, I call it, you're already fully holy. You're already fully without blemish. But what's happening is every day, it's a progressive sanctification that you're living into who you already are. Yeah, the fullness is there, but as, as uh, Eric says, you're becoming, your mind is actually being renewed. It's being transformed. It's like every, every step is like, oh, oh, that's, oh, that's me. Oh, that, oh, that's me. You see, because what it does is it takes, sorry, I'm getting, I'm starting to preach. <laughs> if. If, 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 if you think that there's less of the Lord in you than there is, if you feel like there's a lack there, what happens, and I did it most of my life, I would step into my perceived lack, and then I would try to do something in order to fill that void. And in that place, I would set up expectations on myself, right? that I would feel good about myself, assuming if I felt good about myself, then God felt good about me too. But it's the one place where the enemy loves to bring accusations. See, you're not that good. See, you tried doing that, but, well, obviously God's not happy with you. I had to go, I've got to step out of this place of lack and step back into my true identity and fullness. There's not a lot of room for the enemy to attack to bring accusations against who I know I am in Jesus. You want to edit that? <laughs> okay, you guys got something? Oh, gosh. Should we? You look scared, Steve. Don't be scared. No, when you went to Ben's No, it's good. Um, and I was praying during worship. Everything that the Lord gave me, pretty much Steve summarized. So I don't know if I'm confirming your word or, no, I'm pretty sure I am. But there were, there were a couple of uh, specific things that I think the Lord still wants me to say. And forgive me if I'm being redundant and just uh, repeating a little bit. But um, when we were in worship, I felt like the Lord was saying that there are, um, there are some people in this body that, have been waiting for a long time for um, just fulfillment of prophecies or fulfillment of heart's desires. And, um, and I just, I felt such a combination of the Lord's emotions over it. Um, I felt his pleasure over, over your hearts. And um, I also felt him saying that, that for some people, for specific instances, that um, that there was a place of of uh, desire to be ready and wanting to position yourself in a place to be able to receive from the Lord, and it went from being in that healthy place, and because time went on, it kind of got to the point where there got to be some striving involved and some well, what's wrong with me that this isn't happening and um, some self-examination that was not from the Lord to do. And, um, and I just feel his heart so strongly saying, you're good, you're good. You don't have to do that. You don't have to self-examine and wonder why this or that hasn't happened. You're good. Your heart is good. And, um, and just like Steve has been talking about, uh, so many amazing things. Love you, Papa Steve. Um, 
And he already touched on this, but John 17 is where Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. He has given us his glory. It's already indwelling. And in Exodus 34, when Moses asks, just like that song says, when Moses is asking to see the glory of God, what does God say in that moment? He says his name. I am the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. So when he gave us his glory, he put his name on us. We're the bride. We take on the name of our husband. So the compassion and the graciousness and the slow to angeredness of God is inside of you operating right now. And the love of God, he abounds in loving kindness. And what do we know about love? It's patient, it's kind. All of those things are already fully within you. And I just, I just heard him saying, it, like, as it regards to the things that he's putting his finger on right now, that... As your heart is still desiring things, and as you might still be waiting for things, that it doesn't mean that you have to sit and not fully experience who God is. Because the fullness is in you, and the fullness is in your children, and in your spouse, and in the people around you. And so while there are still things that you're waiting on, and he, he didn't give me words like, oh, hold on, brother, it's coming soon. He didn't give me any of that. What he said was, dare him. Dare him to show you, you know, maybe in your teenager that you don't see patience a lot. Jesus, I dare you to show me your patience in, in my son because I know it's in him. Your name is in him. I dare you. Like, he wants you to experience more even as you're waiting on other things that have been promised he wants you to experience more and that's just what I was hearing from him and also um, just the scripture uh, where is it I thought I wrote it down yeah first Corinthians 13 as right after we get the explanation of what love is is when we're told that we see as in a mirror darkly right now and many in the church and I have taken it this way I was trained this way to look at that and go oh I see is it a mirror darkly I need to I need to rub on that mirror I need to rub on myself and get the darkness out so I can see clearly that's how we take that scripture and and we're told you know a mirror in those days was just a a polished piece of metal so it was really cloudy and it wasn't clear and so we need to just you know, and like work these things out of us, when really the reality is if there's dirt on a mirror, if a mirror is dark, the mirror is here. The mirror isn't here. You see here. It's not inside. It's outside. So if you're seeing darkly, if you're not seeing the name of God within you, then do you need to wipe off what's within or do you need to wipe off what you're seeing? You know, what is your vision showing you? What is your belief system showing you? So polish the mirror. Your, your inside is good. You just need to get the dirt off the mirror, off of the, the thinking pattern. Now, mindset. So that's just what I was, I, was, um, I was hearing from the Lord on that. And, and I know he was talking about specific instances for specific people. And I just really encourage you to go to him with that and, and ask him, Lord, where is there a place where I moved from standing in readiness and moved into striving and moved into things that you didn't want me to hold, into things that aren't true about myself? Just I'd encourage you to ask him those things. Okay, this is the second time. I remember last time being here, and I was like ready to just roll on the floor because it was just so good in here. It feels so good. I'm like, you guys are so good. And there's so much going on. I'm like, where do we go? What do I say? Ah! God, help me right now. Ah. God, it's so good. Oh, my God.
Okay. <sighs> so many things. Um, in worship, I think it was the last song. I think it was. I can't remember. But the worship leader was singing, singing that he's not afraid of you. I felt that like I, I felt that when I came in here, like he was just. It felt like the father just wanted to declare he is not concerned about you one bit, not one bit. Amen. He's not afraid of your life. He's not afraid of your circumstances. He's not afraid with your struggles, your insecurities, your doubts, your moments of unbelief. He's not afraid of you at all. There's nothing you can do that will say, okay, he can't, he's he, like, he's saying, I can't take that. I, I can't deal with that. No, actually, he's like, just, you know, I just love you. Come here. Just let me love you. Come here. But there's, he's not afraid of you. There was a song that was actually, it was coming in my mind, and it's by Kim Clement. And the song, and I don't really want to sing, but <laughs> the song goes, I made up my mind. It's a prophetic song. And the father saying this, I made up my mind and nothing can change it. Amen. You're the best thing that's happened to me. You're the best thing that's happened to me. I've made up my mind and nothing can change it. And I felt like that's the father's declaration over you guys. He's made up his mind. He has set his heart on you. And there's nothing you can do that will make him love you any less. And there's nothing you can do that he will distance himself from you. You don't have to be like, well, I should have prayed more or I shouldn't have did that. And now he's separated himself and I don't feel his presence. No, he's always present. Amen. Nothing will separate you from his love ever, Amen. ever. Um, the other thing I was sensing too was that Oh, I just felt like there's some people in here that just, it was here, I was hearing this. Just this unworthiness thing, gotta go. Like, that is not your portion, that is not who you are. To say that you're unworthy is saying, like, what he's created, something's wrong with it. This is saying something's wrong with him. You're saying that he's unworthy because you're unworthy. What? That, no, you've been created in the image and likeness of who he is. Image and likeness isn't just like likeness, like, sort of, kind of. It's exact and same. There is no sort of, kind of. Or one day, one glad morning, I will become like this. It's, I am this right now because that's what he said. As he is, so are you in this world. Therefore, you are. That's it. You can accept that. That's just the truth. It's just the truth. I, rem I actually, like... I realized, like, over the past six months, like, I've been overwhelmed. Like, I've been arguing with God about just how good he is to me and trying to debate with him. And, of course, I lose. And, and it's like, and it's just funny. I got to a point I was like, I could just keep arguing with you or I could just accept the fact that regardless of what I feel right now or what my circumstances say, you are who you say you are. And I am who you say I am. And your truth remains. Your truth remains. And I remember Andre Robert saying, it's not about what we believe about God, it's what he believes about us. And we get so caught up in what we believe about him that our faith isn't enough and that we're not enough. But we're not hearing what he's saying about us and receiving that and accepting that as our truth. That is the truth. And we just get to rest in that goodness. There's another thing I was sensing too. I'm, I'm kind of taking over. <laughs> He's removing self-hatred. I feel so passionate about that part. I, I so do. He says, like, why do you persecute me? If you are him and he's you, and you're saying all this negative stuff about you, you're persecuting him. 
Who gives you that right to do that? To criticize the artist of his artwork and craftsmanship. Who gives you that right to do that? When he said it's good, when he said it's perfect, when he says this is my masterpiece, then that's it. Final word, it's finished. An artist never shows his work that's unfinished. You're, you are his finished work. So you, so, so just accept that. It may not look like it. You may not feel like it. Others may have projected their own stuff, but it's not who you are. You are who he says you are, which is beautiful and perfect and blameless and innocent and whole and free. You're absolutely free. You're free. Your mind is free. Your heart is free. You are free. Free to be. And I know sometimes, like, I was hearing about, like, loving well. And I feel like the Father's expanding your capacity to receive love. So you can receive his love. Because when you receive his love, there's acceptance. You accept yourself. There's so much freedom in love. Love empowers you. It's one thing about the Father. He just wants to empower you. He trusts you so much. And he wants to realize, he wants you to realize how much you can't trust yourselves. Like he trusts you so much. He doesn't want you fighting with yourselves. He doesn't want you battling with, with yourselves. He says, I, could, I just trust you because I love you. I've empowered you. You are who I say you are. And we've been talking about mirrors. And, <laughs> and I, I, there are two mirrors, and this is what I was saying, two mirrors. There's the mirror that's your mirror. And it's the mirror of all the illusions and perceptions and negative stuff that you say about yourself, which is all clouded and fogged. And then there his, is his mirror that is full and, and, and full of his, like it's just, it's not broken, it's not shattered, it's not blemished, it's not, it doesn't have any negative words, it's just whole. That's your mirror. That's the one you behold. Yes. You are the substance in that mirror. Jesus is the substance, therefore you are that substance. You're reflecting his substance. I just feel the passion of the Father on this so much. You don't have permission to speak negatively about yourself anymore. You just don't. You don't lack anything. You're not a failure. You're not a horrible person. That's not who you are. And I just feel like he's going to continually just emphasize that. Have grace on yourself. Be kind to yourself. If you mess up, just say, okay, I'll get it right next time. If you mess up again, okay, I'll get it right next time. Be gracious on yourself. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. He wants to navigate, like he just want to navigate life, you know, with us. We're trying to be, we're so like trying to be perfect. We need to stop that. He wants to just love us. It's in the midst of us trying to figure things out is where we really see his love come through and shine. And we discover so much about who we are. And you have permission to do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, you, no. <laughs> you see how we begin to reflect one another. 
what what Tanya and Megan were doing was they all they were doing they were reflecting what they already know to be true in you. It is. It really is. Now, here's the cool thing is God will go with a vengeance after anything that gets in the way of you really understanding who you are in Christ. See, it's not from a place of judgment, right? John 3 says he didn't come to condemn the world. He came actually to execute the kingdom of light. There is no condemnation here. Paul makes that pretty clear in, in Romans, right? After he goes through this whole chapter of why does I do the things I don't want to do, blah, blah, blah. He's like going, hold on a minute. What I just described to you is not who you are. That's not your lot in life that you're going to be in this constant struggle. He's saying, no. He said, actually, there's no condemnation. You've already been delivered from that life. Now you have been brought into, you are no longer a slave to flesh. You're no longer a slave to a sinful nature because the sinful nature in the core of who you are has been dealt a fatal blow. When I say fatal, I mean it's dead. So the only thing that gets in the way of us actually living who we really are in Christ is this little thing right up here. It's our perceptions. It's even our perceptions in the way that we look at one another. You see what I'm saying? Go back to the very beginning. When we begin to see each other for who we really are in Christ, oh, my gosh. What you just heard here. You guys are the essence. That's the cool thing about the mirror. The mirror doesn't hold the essence. The mirror actually reflects the essence. So the essence of the very nature of Christ is already within you. So when you look in the mirror, see, the mirror has become one of my best friends. When I get up in the morning, I will stand before the mirror. If I know what I'm doing that day, I will say, I'm a teacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I know that to be true in me. You have a great opportunity in the mirror to actually begin to declare those things that you are. I am a passionate person. I have compassion. I love people. I know some of you are going, oh, not all people. <laughs> See, God doesn't work that way. You know, you already have within you the capacity, the ability to love unconditionally because your love is actually, it's coming from the very person that authored unconditional love. Grace abounds in unconditional love. It's, <laughs> here's how God works. And I'll, I'll use the example for Carmen and I as we raised a couple kids. The one thing we always tried to do was we, we disciplined, corrected when we felt needed to do, but we never attacked their character. Because even in the correction, what we would say is, you're much better than that. You're just living under who you really are. Can you imagine if we have that kind of grace with one another in the body of Christ? Ah. You guys, there is nothing we can, can't do. <laughs> okay, I'll end with this. I love Ephesians. You know, I, we spent years in the house of prayer in Ephesians, primarily praying this prayer over people, Governments, nations. That one too, but I'm going to one here. <laughs> but you see, when you begin to... Here's what I'm asking you to do. Take your lenses that you're now looking at Christ, the gospel, the kingdom. Take those lenses and perceptions off. Put on a lens of fullness of who you already are in Christ. You realize when you read anything about Jesus and what he did and how he carried the kingdom of God and how he loved people, 
you're actually reading about yourself. You are so one that you cannot separate that, okay? Paul knew this because when he was talking to the Ephesians, the, the people of Ephesus, in the first chapter, he was like going, here, let me tell you who God is and let me tell you who Jesus is. God is, he, he basically says he's the God that's all in all. And he describes Jesus as this. He is the summing up of all things in heaven and earth. The summing up to, to completion, the fullness of both heaven and earth. And then he goes on, he says this. He says, and I pray <laughs> uh, that you would get a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, the reason, he's not saying, I want you to have a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom to be able to understand out there who you can be in God. He's saying, no, I want you to have this wisdom and revelation, the understanding of who you already are in me. And then he goes on to say this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be what? Enlightened. So that you may know what? What the hope is of your calling what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance where in the saints? So we already got calling. We've already got glory. We already have inheritance. And then he says this, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working uh, of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above rule, authority, power, dominion. And every name is named. I mean, if I could tell, if you could walk away with one thing this morning, this is what I'd say. <laughs> there wasn't the feedback. <laughs> it's that you have it. There is nothing you can do to get more of what you already have. It's liberating. The cool thing is, is, even if you do not understand what I'm saying, it doesn't change the reality and truth that's already within you. So I'm confident that all you do is take a baby step and start to declare those things you know to be true about Jesus is also true about you, you will be renewed. You will be transformed. But you're not being transformed into something else other than who you already are. You are the glory of the Father. <laughs> it is who you are. And he just wants you to know. All right, is this helpful? I know this. You guys have been definitely marinating all this, but uh, for a while, you guys, you are powerful people. Every one of you. There is no one in this room that's exempt from the fullness of Christ that already resides in them. It's okay if you don't get it. I can tell you right now, your spirit gets it. It's okay if you don't understand it. It's already in you. It's there. <laughs> Gosh. Right here, what's represented in this room? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys are awesome. Thank you for just giving an opportunity for us to come and share. Um, also, I think you, you all know, you, you guys have been regular supporters of my ministry for, gosh, Eric, years now. And, uh, and can I confidently say that you guys have great rewards coming to you because of what you've entrusted to me? Some of your rewards right here. And there's a whole bunch more of them, too. World changers. 
And you guys have participated in that. Such a blessing. Always, always so much fun to be with you all. Okay, what do you want me to do? Should I pray and dismiss or whatever, do a little dance? Yeah, we'll be. Yeah, if anybody wants to come up for a prayer, we'd be happy to, I think, wouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, we're a team, you know, check those things out. Okay, well, stand with me. <laughs> Father, we acknowledge this morning, this day, stake in the ground, that we have everything that you have already given us. Father, I thank you there's really no impartation to be made. It's just stepping into that reality that we already know to be true. Father, we thank you for new covenant. What is represented here in the kingdom of God that will move the earth, that will change the course of history <laughs> from, from little old Newcastle. The world will never be the same because your people have stepped up and said, yes, this is who I am. Father, I pray that you would, <laughs> in these days to come, that you would reflect back to us the reality of your full measure in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.